92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you hopping on with us. We'll be here from 12 to 3 p.m., then hand it off to Kyle Bailey. He'll take you until 6 p.m. You can text in 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. We say it quite a bit. A lot to talk about today. But even more so, does that statement ring true after the weekend we just experienced? Carolina Panthers just salvaged a lot of fans' hopes. Among all the sports fans in the area, South Carolina Gamecocks fans are perhaps the most happy, especially if you share that fandom with Carolina as well, the Panthers, the NFL team. But other than that, if you're a Clemson fan, if you're a North Carolina fan, I mean, that's about as brutal as it gets for you. And I know that actually made you happy, Wes, to see all the despair that the Heels fans were experiencing this week. Yes, even though my Demon Deeks did go down at the hands of the Duke Blue Devils, but nothing makes my weekend more than seeing Carolina take a triple L this weekend. Football and two times in basketball back-to-back. Fitty, I need you on this. As the diehard fan of the studio for the North Carolina Tar Heels, we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but I can't think of a regular season weekend that was more painful As a North Carolina fan, I can't think of one that matches an overtime, double overtime loss to NC State in football to a fourth string QB. Yep. As a number one basketball team losing to Iowa State. And this is not the Iowa State of three years ago. It's not. And then losing to Alabama in four overtimes. It's not just the amount of losses, which three is a lot for two basketball losses and one football loss, but it's the way they came. I mean, Fiddy, <laughs> I don't know if what ranks up there with this as far as the weekends. It's pretty damn tough. Yeah, no, it's it's been a long time since I've had a sports weekend that was this hellish, and that's pretty much what it was. Outside of the Cowboys' second half on, thir- on, on Thanksgiving Day, my sports weekend sucked. <laughs> was uh, Friday so was awful because both games were ending kind of at the same time. So within five minutes of the Tar Heels losing at home to a tractor-driving school with a fourth-string quarterback, we lost to Iowa State and a guy who looked like Schmidt off a new girl. And then on Sunday, you lose okay. in four overtimes to a really good basketball team, but a game that you had won eight times and lost it just as many. This is why I hate that I'm so passionate about Target Athletics because when when they when they let you down, it hurts. But this was Schmidt post weight loss, like good looking Schmidt though. I mean, looked good against the North Carolina Tar Heels, right? You're not talking pre weight loss Schmidt, right? I was just talking about Schmidt in general. Was he? They used to be fat because well, a new girl he wasn't fat. Well, I know, but isn't that the thing about new girl? I've only seen bit, bits and pieces. I don't want to go deep into the weeds here too much, but I'm pretty sure that what he used to be rather large and then he lost a lot of weight to become the schmidt that we all knew in new girl yeah i don't know i know i know you used to be rather large as well so maybe his life story is just your story on the big screen i think that might be true i am the schmidt of wfnz here sports radio 927 wfnz all right we're pulling up to the scene we have a lot to get to so let's unpack the bags let's take the headphones off it's time to get off the bus
We look good getting off the bus. Yeah, you did. I got something to say. Damn! <laughs> Kick it! I can feel it! That intro doesn't hit nearly as hard after North Carolina loss, and I think this is the, this is the second weekend in a row where we've heard Mac Brown in the intro say that. Let's start with Carolina, though. They really did. The Panthers get that victory over the Denver Broncos, 23 to 10. Wes, I know you and I both went with Denver to win this game because we thought the defense was going to be good enough. Yeah. And understandably, Sam Darnold first start in a long time. It's not like Carolina's offense has been clicking anyway whatsoever, but they get the win and they win comfortably 23-10. to 10. That touchdown coming after like the 15th attempt for the Denver Broncos. Impressive victory for Carolina. Impressive weekend for Steve Wilkes who gets a 3-4 and four start now in his interim quote-unquote tenure with the Carolina Panthers. Ooh, and, uh, impressive. I don't, you know, it was a good win for the Panthers. No, but, I'm already uh, starting off with a disagreement. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just... I thought it was good enough. I uh-huh. mean, running the offense, Deontay Foreman, excellent job on the ground. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold made the plays that he was supposed to with some nice throws no, down no field. Doubt. And, and I Impressive agree that enough. the Panthers did what they needed to do and should have done because as I watched that game, I was just dumbfounded at just how bad Russell Wilson has become, how bad this Denver offense is. It was awful. 4-14 on third down. So, you know, the, the Carolina offense uh, got enough drives to be able to put points on the board against this team. I think that Denver defense has had enough. You saw it as the interior D lineman balked on Russell Wilson as he went off the side. I think this team has had enough of Russell Wilson. Uh, This is a very dysfunctional football team in the Denver Broncos, but as I said, the Carolina Panthers came and did what they should do. If you couldn't beat this Denver team with this offense at home, then you do have big problems. So I'll give uh, credit there uh, for the Panthers. They came out Run game like Novocaine, like my boy said on uh, Remember the Titans, Deontay Foreman, after enough carries, he got going. They took care of business. Well, I mean, and even if you expected the Carolina defense to show up because Mm -hmm. Denver's offense has been so awful this year, the fact that Carolina put the points they did, the fact that Sam Darnold made the plays, and they ran really effectively, this is a very, very good Denver Broncos defense. Torchin 13. (laughs) Your boy got smoked by DJ Moore, my boy. Yeah, he he was getting cooked up man and and um but also i have to say though brian burns probably turned in one of the best games he's played as a panther i saw definitely what you needed to see from him in this game as far as just him finally dominating linemen and getting to the quarterback 89 and a half grade from pro football focus was in the backfield and quite a bit and was wreaking a lot of havoc against russell wilson even was able to come away with a sack in this game so brian burns deserves a lot and i like the pettiness mocking Russell Wilson. Uh, I looked and I saw it on Twitter and I was cracking up. Brian Burns has the deep cut sack celebrations yeah. because he did the dance that what, what was the Spider-Man dance that was a deep cut that wasn't necessarily Spider-Man but uh-huh. it was it was the actual person what's the what's Spider-Man's name in real life again? oh Peter, Peter Parker. Parker thank yeah. you so it was the Peter Parker dance at yeah. the cafeteria that's what he did a couple games back is and that the, what that is because I've seen a couple people do that and I was like what I are think they doing that's right I okay. think that's right but then the deep cut of Russell Wilson being yes. weird taking in the moment yes. that was not a moment yes. and then he emulated that. I love so Brian that. Burns, I, I love the fact that we have to research after the fact what Brian Burns was celebrating with his sack <laughs> celebration. So yeah. keep us researching Brian Burns. 
Also, Sam Darnold. I, I'm going to give Sam a lot of credit, to be honest with you. I thought he was very good with what he was asked to do yesterday. And here's Steve Wilkes just saying, Sam, not making the crucial mistakes. That was huge for us. We, we talk about that all the time, and, you know, just really trying to manage the game. When I say manage the game, I'm talking about being smart, not, you know, forcing it in there, always ready to take your check down, uh, particularly when we get in field goal range, not, not taking a sack, throwing the ball away, uh, just being aware of the situations. And I thought he did a good job of that today. Yeah, he did. It's hilarious that that's all we're asking for. And then we celebrate at nauseum because Sam just did not turn it over. This was also a game where he was not sacked. It was one of the three games he had ever not been sacked in a contest in 51 career games that wow. Sam Donald has played. He's 3-0 and in those games, which is not very surprising. You would think if you don't have any pressure like that, then you might just come out victorious. It happened last year in Atlanta, and then it happened against Buffalo in 2018 when he was a member with the Jets. So... Baker Mayfield takes a ton of sacks when he's out there. P.J. Walker, no, he doesn't. P.J. actually has only been sacked multiple times once, and that was the L.A. contest. Sam Darnold does not. I think you're starting to see more and more evidence as why as to why Baker Mayfield has struggled so much and how he's just not it in any stretch of the imagination. Sam has come in and delivered the one game that he played with a pretty good offensive line this year. PJ has had some bad performances, but also has had some good performances. Baker has only given you the bad, and it's crazy. After the trade, after the offseason that Panthers had at the QB spot, where you have a very clear order at three. One and two, I don't. You can argue PJ and Sam, whatever. Sam has entered the QB one mix for this team. Mm-hmm. He's going to be starting at Seattle. Steve Wilkes said right off the bat as soon as that Denver game was over. But we know who third is, and that's very clearly Baker Mayfield. Well, yeah, as I said, I think Baker Mayfield's confidence has pretty much gone down the drain after everything that's happened. Uh, adding to it, him getting benched here, and now he can clearly not see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as him coming here because I'm sure he thought once he got picked up that yeah I'm going to show everybody that I'm still this and that and that and then when that he came here and this and that and that didn't happen <laughs> it's a wrap for him so uh, yeah he's clearly third on this list Sam came out there yesterday they did a good job of getting him in a rhythm early Impressive um, throws. I mean, DJ yeah. in the end zone, DJ down the side. I mean, line. there's no question he's the most physically talented. 100%. I mean, we can't forget that he was a top five pick of the NFL draft. So clearly the physical gifts are there, and he showed them yesterday. But it was a perfect Steve Wilkes game plan. This is the type of football that you'll see, folks, if Steve Wilkes becomes your head coach. This is what he wants, less than 25 throws, pounding the rock. And playing defense. Yeah, DJ Moore having four receptions and not exciting. Him reach a hundred <laughs> yards though. You no, know, there are a couple of exciting plays, but you're right. This is exactly what he wanted to do. They ran it a ton and they were effective doing so. Sam Donald, the most talented quarterback with Carolina physically. Drake May also extremely talented. Yet yes. Drake May not coming away with a victory the past two weekends. They lose to NC State because North Carolina was not able to hit a field goal at the end. NC State wins in double overtime in Chapel Hill. Here's Dave uh, Doran afterwards saying, well, there was a certain meal this Thanksgiving weekend that he did not want to eat after this game. And I told him all week, like, nobody's going to care about anything other than this win when we win this game. Like, this will make a lot of things feel better. It's a 365-day, you know what, sandwich that the other school gets to eat. And we didn't want to eat it. You know, we wanted to have that. And we wanted to finish with that pride. And that's what happens in rivalry games. You know, one team gets to feel good for a year and the other one doesn't. 
Carolina has been eating that sandwich more times than not when Dave Doran has been the head coach at NC State. What did you make of this game and the brutal loss North Carolina suffered on the football field to NC State? Well, again, I was um, shocked that it's a rivalry game, so you're not that shocked, but just the way that it was done. I have to give NC State a lot of credit here because, for one, Ben Finley came to play. After I thought that he had no shot to really have that great of a game. I just didn't see it there. But NC State, you know, they wasted a playoff caliber defense this year. This defense came out and showed you that they are the real deal. And I knew that after what they did to my Deeks. Uh, but Carolina is one of the best teams in the country in third downs. They went 5 of 20. Um, these guys averaged 3.9 yards per play. That's unheard of going against a Carolina offense. And not only that, just the fact of defensively, you know, the way they got after Drake made the two sacks. They played in the backfield all day long. They had 11 hurries on the ball game. And I talked about it in my five things to prepare you for this game. That was on the ACCDN on all platforms. I talked about how um, NC State had three of the top six in tackles for loss, led by uh, my man Drake Thomas, who leads the ACC in tackles for loss. And then behind him, uh, the other two backers, Isaiah Moore, and my man Peyton Wilson. So those backers, they came out and set the tone early. The rest of the defense followed suit, but they hit Drake May. They got after Drake May. And we kind of saw what it looks like, you know, when he's got that pressure in his face. And another thing they did as well, you know, teams the last two weeks have done a good job of taking Josh Downs away. And so when you do that, you see that some of those receivers, they're one-trick ponies. They like to catch deep balls, posts, and that's about it. And then the offensive line, as I said, when you take away Downs, you know, they were getting after man, getting those sacks and all that. So kudos to them. NC State's defense showed up big time. North Carolina just did not have enough offense and the field goal. I mean, just having a missed field goal at the end. That <laughs> I was said torturous. That I said he's going to miss. It. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it man. felt like it, too. And so Carolina goes down. We'll get but to. Did you have that type of sandwich? <laughs> did you eat that? I know you've been eating a lot here, uh, I, at least on Thanksgiving Day. But I guess you didn't eat that sandwich, did you? Yeah, no, because I'm an elitist and not a. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's go to on. break. Yeah, let's go to break. It's time <laughs> to talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. We'll get to Fitty's feelings later on in the show. But what did you make of Sam Darnold's performance? And just how much should we dig deep into some of the good things he provided against Denver? That's coming up. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Feel free to text us on the Garage Door Guru text line. It's 704-570-9610. We have a lot of people writing in about the Carolina Panthers, North Carolina. A couple of the other uh, texts that we got early on in the show, it was the Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn comments with <laughs> DJ Moore after the conversation, I believe. Was it Friday or Thursday that we yeah, had it was that Friday. Tell them to follow our Twitter page, too, man. We need to get our followers up. We need to be in the thousands. Wes <laughs> and Walker. <laughs> well, we, just, we just started the Wes and Walker show. You can find us on Twitter 
at Wesson Walker. I think they're going pretty well. Fiddy, you're the one that created that page. No, we need more, man. Get so it up. How many followers do we have at the moment that you know of? The last time I checked, and I can look right here on my phone, we were in like the mid-60s, I think. Okay. Yeah, so that's... Not, I mean, not bad. A good way to start out the momentum of the show. Yeah, we are right yeah, now come on, Queen City and at 67 area. followers. So you can follow us on Twitter at Wesson Walker. That's where every update regarding the show hours all that stuff will be posted we need to do like a giveaway or something crazy like tell them okay if we get to 1500 we'll do this if we get to 2000 and up we'll do this that and that. we got to we got to figure out what to give away you yeah, can text man. what ideas do you have 704-570-9610 that's a good one too that's a great one <laughs> we'll do that at the 100 mark yeah we'll do that <laughs> we're, we're, at, we're at we're at 65 let's do that at 66 yeah 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 we'll do that at 66 <laughs> Just no matter who it is, you get a date with Fitty. Doesn't matter. I might just follow. I might unfollow and then follow again so just I can so get you can, that. Yeah. Then we can go to Moo and Brew, watch some Carolina football, basketball, whatever. Although, I can't imagine this was the good now, weekend who's to pay? do that. Uh, you know Fitty is. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going out on a date and I'm at, I look, Fitty is the guy that has to pay for the date. Yeah. So, look, I, at that one, you can't blame me at all. You can ba- blame me for the bossy Bulis. That's all fine, but you can't blame me if you're going to take me out on a date and then have to pay. If you want some Hornets tickets, maybe we can work that out. I really have no clue what I'm allowed to promise and or like speculate on with some of the giveaways. Yeah. We could just go with some reckless stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, whatever you want. Hey, if we're going to do some good stuff. If you want to meet Michael Jordan, you'll be the 1500th follower. 704-570-9610. You can text in and then you can also follow Wes and Walker. Um, let's get to some more Panthers commentary, though, about this win, because this win against Denver I thought it was the second biggest win of the season. Mm-hmm. I thought the one against, yeah, I mean, maybe against Atlanta, that was pretty big too. So definitely top three for me because look, we chose Denver in this one, right? I mm-hmm. thought this was an offense that was going to struggle scoring the football. Denver's offense is putrid. It's as bad as any offense in the NFL. And it's alarming considering they have Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, the offensive line. It's not been very good, but it all starts with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm who had a massive contract, Yes, is absolutely terrible. Yeah, and we talk about all the time, if you don't have a quarterback, and he has been throughout his career one of those guys. Russell Wilson, you know, doing performing as poor as he has is probably the most surprising thing of the NFL season. I mean, there's been a lot of surprising things that happened this year, but Russell Wilson performing that poorly, it's been awful, and Carolina was able to take control. And here we have Sam getting the victory with this Panthers team, in light of having P.J. Walker start some games, Baker Mayfield, I mean, he was supposed to be on the outs as far as any other type of game that he could start for Carolina. And here he comes in, and it's not like he put up crazy numbers in this one, right? It, it's not, it, if you look at the box score, it's not like he was amazing in this one. But QBR, 72, 11 of 19. That's not many completions, but he did have the bomb downfield to DJ Moore. It was only a 25% completion percentage chance of happening. If you look at some of the measurements where that ball was put, having Pat Sertan, one of the best corners in the NFL that had played a lot of football, you know, compared to JC Horn, right? As we've had that kind of comparison, Sam Darnold made some pretty outrageous throws yesterday. Now, third down, they weren't very good. This has been a Panthers offense that has been awful on third down this entire year. That did not change against the Denver Broncos defense. But I think Sam did enough. He did more than I would have asked him to do 
in this game against Denver. When we dig into the weeds a little bit here, Wes, what do you make of Sam Donald's performance and how consistent it could be and maybe what you expect from him against Seattle because he's already named the starter. We're not going to have that conversation at all this week. I thought he came out and I thought that he – you know, played exactly the way the coaches wanted him to. I think he knows at this point with the quarterback room, it's a short leash for him. So I think that, you know, he's not dumb. He knows how much he is capable of turning over the football because that leads to decision-making, and we know his decision-making hasn't always been the best. And so we knew that also he was put in a position by Coach Wilkes to be able to succeed, and things went the way for him to succeed. Uh, When you're... excuse me, getting four yards a pop on the run, well, that's going to be conducive to you getting some some good matchups and some good alleyways to throw the football through. And I think that helped him the most. What would have been interesting is to see Denver shutting down the run early, them being behind the chains often, Sam having to put the ball up 30, 35 times if they get behind. This Denver offense isn't capable of applying that type of pressure. Now, if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, That's a different story, and I'd love to see how Sam plays in that type of scenario. And we're going to see this weekend when they play Seattle, even though my Queen City Magic Theory says the Panthers could come out and pull something out of their behinds in this one. But this is going to be a scenario where you're going to be playing against a really good defense. You're going to be playing against a very capable offense on the road. You could get down early, especially with Seattle losing. They're going to be an angry bunch. So I think it's going to be, I want to see how he's going to play this week. But as far as what he did, I mean next week, but as far as what he did this week, he stayed inside the game plan. Everything lined up for him to have a good game as a game manager. Ultimately, it's going to come down to what a lot of offenses come down to, and that's whether you have success running the football to allow the quarterback to play an easier football game. They were really pushing some play action at the beginning of this game, and I really like that from Ben McAdoo. He was calling heavy play action to start, saying, was getting some completions to the outside rolling I thought he did a good job of not waiting you know when Ian Thomas was open in the flats hit him Tommy Tremble open in the flats hit him DJ Moore that's when you would explore throwing downfield a little bit and hit him in the end zone that was a good throw that was a good touchdown throw and of course we all know about the sideline throw that DJ Moore had where DJ has been most successful with Sam Darnold playing the quarterback position He's also been pretty successful with P.J. Walker playing the quarterback position. Not as successful as when Sam is under center, but still, it's been Baker that has been holding D.J. Moore back quite a bit. As you more closely evaluate D.J., just what do you expect from him if he plays with a guy that's just competent? If he's just if he's getting consistent quarterback play throughout the course of a year, which has not happened in any season, D.J. Moore has played football for Carolina well, I, I think he would be a pro bowler. I think he would be a pretty consistent pro bowler, especially with him flirting with 1,200 yards every single year. And we're talking about Pat Sertan. Like, this is somewhat, this was not cake. Three contested catches of the four receptions that he had. Only six targets, I believe. So it's not like he, I mean, they weren't throwing. They only had 19 attempts in this game, and he had six of those targets. So when Sam was throwing, most likely he was throwing to DJ Moore. He was getting some separation. He was having an accurate ball delivered to him more often than not. Hell, I even think the catch on the sideline that didn't count. I thought that was a decent enough throw. I thought DJ probably needed to do a better job of getting a foot down. I know it was pretty far out of bounds, but I thought that was a possible catch for him to have if he just got another foot down. Man, I'm telling you, 
and I think a lot of people have felt this too about DJ. Consistent quarterback play throughout the course of a year. DJ's putting up 1,300 yards and flirting with Pro Bowl nods every single season. Uh, the thing is, you know, that I'll say we saw that we know that defensive line and defensive backs go hand-in-hand. Not making excuses for my man Sertan, but like I said, he was only pressured four times, Sam Darnold was, and wasn't sacked at all. So he had all day to no, throw the football. So that helped. But uh, I think the thing with DJ Moore that makes me not feel like that doesn't make me go gaga over him like other receivers is that he's very smooth. So it doesn't look it doesn't look violent or it doesn't look spectacular when You're he not does the things. dramatic cuts out of breaks. You're not yes, and 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 stuff like that. And so, but DJ Moore is as productive as anybody, and I think that's for me why the reason why I said, well, I don't know how dominant he is and stuff like that. But no, but you look up and he puts up tremendous numbers. He was really good yesterday. And the stat about him having the most 50-yard catches since 2018 is quite impressive. That shows you his big play capability. More than any wide receiver since DJ Moore entered the league. Also, what's weird about that, they brought Robbie Anderson in to Mm -hmm. be the deep threat. And the first year, Robbie reached 1,000 yards, but it was flip-flopped. DJ Moore was the deep threat. Teddy Bridgewater was throwing more to Robbie Anderson in underneath routes. And DJ was a guy that was able to go up and contest with catches. I mean, that's why DJ's had his drops the last couple of years, for sure. But also... I think you're seeing a lot of contested catches from him, really physical. I mean, he has no problems being a physical wide receiver in this league. And so it was really nice to see what he was able to do yesterday. You can text in Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. I'm getting made fun of, and honestly, deservedly so. Touche for both the 704 number and AC who wrote in. Walker, top three win? They only have four. <laughs> like, yeah. It's totally true. Like I, I guess when I was thinking, if we wanted to do some quick rank radio, let's mm-hmm. go around the room, right? So if we were to rank all of the wins the Saints victory the one Falcons victory Tampa Bay and what we just had in this game against the Denver Broncos I think Tampa Bay has to be number one that's what I was gonna say to me this Denver win is last in my book because Denver's offense was so bad even though their defense was really good but that offense was so bad I think it came at a time if you're hoping Carolina is to win which I know there is a little bit of divisiveness because some people want the high QB draft pick yeah Carolina slated sixth now they were second. Good when job, were, guys. Great <laughs> job. This is the problem when you don't have a lottery system. <laughs> Good win, guys. And the NFL, it's harder, very much so harder to tank in the NFL. But when you have the when you have Carolina getting a sixth pick, that is going to be a little divisive. I'd still have Tampa. Do we all agree Tampa is the number one victory? I think so. Fitty does not agree. What's the number one victory, Fitty? Firing Matt Rule. Okay, that's number one. (laughs) There's a fifth win. That's right, people. There's actually five wins, and so when I said it was top three, honestly didn't account for that. But Matt Rule is up there getting a job at Nebraska. We'll get to that later on in the show. Tampa, number one. Mm -hmm. I think Falcons, number two. Yeah, I would agree with that. The revenge factor. I I put Denver three. And I know the Saints was a division game. I know it was their number one overall victory. I'm putting into context how they looked. Because they didn't look great against New Orleans. Mm -hmm. They had the defensive touchdown. The offense was still terrible. Baker Mayfield was still terrible. I'm putting into context, having DJ reach 100 yards, having Sam Darnold actually play pretty well at QB. I think that's why I put this victory against Denver three, and then I'll put the Saints victory four. Are you flip-flopping those, and you're putting Denver last? Yeah. Because the offense was so bad. Yeah. Okay. Fiddy, what what about you? You have Tampa number one besides the Matt Rule firing. How did the rest of the three games fall in your mind? I probably go Atlanta two at home on a short week. 
um, and, and bad weather on national television. And then I would probably go Denver three because the way it looked. Yeah. I mean, they, they kicked Denver's ass in, in, in every aspect of the game yesterday. And I don't think we thought that was possible with this team. I didn't think so with the offense, right? Because I expected the offense to be controlled. This is this is why I can't help but think a rebuild, quote unquote, could happen fairly quickly. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl next year. If we keep this in context, if we actually have realistic expectations of what Carolina could accomplish, if they have a better quarterback, if you have one that you can build for the future and he's Justin Herbert rookie season, or if he's one of these QBs that hit and you know, oh, okay, this kid's got it. I'm ready to rock with this guy going down the line. Mm -hmm. If he gives you that type of rookie year, you can win seven games where your offense is not among the absolute worst in the league. This is an offensive line that is going to be, in my opinion, fairly easy to keep together. Taylor Moten's locked up. Icky Kwanu looks very good, has not allowed a sack since week two. I believe only one pressure and 20 pass protection snaps yesterday. Iggy Kwanu, that guy looks like the franchise tackle. And I love to see it because they have desperately needed one since Jordan Gross. I am feeling very comfortable that they have that. But also, Pat Elfline was playing well before he gets injured. Bradley Bozeman comes in being a hell, uh, uh, you know, being hell to deal with in the run game. Brady Christensen starting to hit and has some versatility. How about Cam Irving? Are you actually telling me? That this Panthers offensive line not only is playing well with the starters, do they have depth? Is that actually something you can say about this Panthers offensive line? Yeah. You're saying we have more than five good to decent offensive linemen. It's not going to be hard to keep these guys together. These are not going to be players that make a ton of money on the open market. You keep the offensive line together. The defense is providing a lot more consistency. Yes, an awful Denver's uh, Broncos offense, but they did what they were supposed to do. I'm not going to knock a defense for doing exactly what they were supposed to do yesterday. And the one touchdown they did score, penalties happened. You can clean those up. And it took them, again, like 15 tries. Wes, I, I don't – people are writing, in. You know, it was one game. Who cares? Look, man, I'm not saying Carolina is even going to win the division with Tampa Bay only being a game up. Like, we'll have that conversation. I don't think that's going to happen. What I'm saying is there are positives to point to and say, this is what you can hold on to as far as hope goes for the on the horizon – a good offensive line, good defense, a quarterback you believe in going forward. I think you are that away from contending for playoff success in year two of that quarterback's tenure in the NFL. I could see that. You you still need to fill in a few gaps as well with the draft and maybe whatever free agents that you bring in. Uh, but I can subscribe to that as well. There are things there that are positive signs moving forward. You know, like I said, we've talked about all season how you are – hitting on players at premium positions so you don't have to go out and look for that or overspending free agency to find that. Like you said, it seems like they have their left tackle. They have a young pass rusher. Uh, you know, they have a young corner. They have a young receiver. So there's a lot of things to like that. And it seems like they've got at least a good half of a backfield in Deontay Foreman, um, whether or not he can continue to go on with 20 plus carries per game he moving forward and so be the bell cow, that 90s back, I like to call him, a 1990s back. If he can do that. So there are a lot of pieces there. And the main one, as you said, me being an offensive lineman, love to see it more. Then once you get, when you get the trenches figured out, 
That's huge because that's the thing that travels the most with you home or rowing. You got a nasty offensive line and you're nasty up front defensively because, oh, yeah, you got a young, nasty three technique in Derrick Brown. Yeah. So uh, now it's just filling in the pieces here. And then if you can finally get that guy quarterback, as you said, then I think you're off and running. I will say that, Panther fan. See, I do, I do give credit where it's due. You know, you, you got some things there. If you so, can get the quarterback, you'll be off and running. Some and pa- then I'll be back to hating you like I did. <laughs> some <laughs> Panthers love from Wes Bryant. Yeah. A 9 number wrote in with a competent quarterback. Why couldn't we win the division? I don't see the NFC South being a juggernaut of a division next season. Look, right. it's crazy, but it's it's also not with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers struggling right now. Yeah. How how much better is that team going to be? Well, and then you look at if Brady retires and he's gone, the Bucs are a total rebuild. They're done. You look at the Saints right now, and that's the thing, too, though. The Panthers are ahead of the game, hitting on some of those positions because you look at the Falcons, they've got some pieces there, but still defensively they're bad. Quarterback, not there. Offensive line is shaky, whatever. New Orleans has a ton of work to do offensively. And then the Buccaneers, once Brady hangs it up, they're going to be down for a while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, th- and that's the thing that's always been salvaging for Carolina, too. Nobody else got a jump start on drafting their franchise QB. New right. Orleans didn't take advantage of that. Correct. They decided to roll with Taysom Hill, and who's an playing awful tight head end, coach. Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and an awful head coach with yep. Dennis Allen. It is not going well. Tampa Bay decided to roll with another year of Tom Brady when I think we might have all mistaken his retirement post with just a moving on from Tampa post because <laughs> of the rumors that he wanted right. to go to Miami. Right. So, so now he's back, and you have Kyle Trask, whatever that's going to be, mm-hmm. and Atlanta – with Desmond Ritter, who they refuse to go to right now. And I mean, is Trask even that backup? Isn't Blaine Gabbert that backup? I don't even know. But <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, substitute whoever you want to. Yeah. yeah, I that Carolina is going to address the quarterback spot for the future right at the time that Desmond Ritter is ramping up his second. But that that's that's the best young QB in the division, mm-hmm. I guess. I, palms up. I don't know. And, it, and, it, and I think it tells you a lot, as you'll hear when we talk about other topics. I mm-hmm. think the fact that they haven't gone to Ritter in some instances kind of tells you where he's at. Yeah, 100%. And then somebody else wrote in, just real quickly, they beat a bad Denver team, and now they're in the playoffs next year. Y'all are tripping. I, mean, I yeah. didn't say that. I'm not saying they're in the playoffs Walker either. did. I didn't. What did I say? <laughs> What did I say? I'm just passing you the book. Uh, what did I say? I said that they could contend. You with said a it's a great win. I mean, hell, nah. <laughs> if you want, if you want to say they're contending for a playoff spot now with the way the NFC South is, I mm-hmm. think that would they're be. They're going to be yeah, in that graphic, Blaine, baby. Yeah, it is Blaine. Ga- yeah, it is Blaine Gabbert. Okay, Blaine Gabbert. Well, point still proven. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really worried. Yeah, um, Wes is throwing up over <laughs> Blaine Gabbert, and that proves my point. Let's get to a fitty flash before we move on. What you got, fitty? Well, guys, there's been some news coming out regarding. Free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who was supposed to be in Dallas today meeting with the Cowboys. Well, OBJ was removed from a flight at Miami International Airport on Sunday after police said the free agent wide receiver was in and out of consciousness and refused to leave the airplane when asked. His attorney has come out and kind of disrupted that it was, quote, completely unnecessary It seemed very close that OBJ was close to finding another NFL home like he did this time last year and help a playoff team. Do you see this situation impacting if he does, in fact, get another job in the NFL? Not whatsoever. 
I do not care at all about this situation. If I'm an NFL team looking for a talented receiver. <laughs> so you don't care if your receiver zooted on a plane. I don't care. If this medical <laughs> if this medical all checks out for Odell Beckham Jr. Because we don't even know what happened with Odell, yeah. right? Like, I'm not. I mean, yes, if there was some funny business going on behind the scenes. But right now, all we know is that he didn't want to get off of the plane. And I have zero clue what to blame here. The guy, maybe he's not feeling well. Maybe he didn't want to go off the plane because, yeah, it would suck to miss your plane. I, I don't know what's happened. So, no. As of right now, with the info that we have currently, I'm not scared at all to bring him aboard my team. See, I think it's going to be interesting because I subscribe to the theory where there is a little bit of smoke, there's some fire. Okay, so there's something going on as to why you would make the decision to even go to an airport, even if you took some medicine that you knew was going to knock you out or something that it had to be something heavy to have him in that state. Well, my thing is I'm so tired of this Odell Beckham stuff. They're acting like he's prime Randy Moss or prime Jerry Rice or something like that. Listen, he made some plays with the Rams last year, but this is not a guy that once you sign him, you're going to the Super Bowl. So I wish people would stop acting like once you sign Odell, go go ahead and get fitted for the ring. You wanted to say something real quick, Fitty. I just had something else before we concluded my flash. We all know tomorrow is the decisive match for the U.S. in the World Cup when they take on Iran. Well, you can join Charlotte FC. They are putting together an impromptu watch party tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Clutch Kitchen and Poor House. And you can make your reservations if you go to their Twitter page. They have the link there where you can reserve where you can go to watch the match. And Wes, will you be here for tomorrow's show or will you be at the house watching the game with some of the listeners? Man, I had to decide. It was a very tough decision <laughs> whether I want to come earn my pay or do I want to go watch a sorry uh, U.S. team get another tie. So wow. uh, I think it's an easy decision. I'll be in here with y'all. Damn. I mean, hell, they can't even win a game yet. They, they keep tying. Hey, but ESPN said it was a dominant draw. <laughs> I hate for U.S. Double D. Oh, double D. <laughs> I believe that you won't win. It's the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio. More <laughs> chaos coming up next, 92.7 FM. graduate from NC State and that's that's huge I'm graduating in December that's going to be really important for me to get my degree here I never tried to get in UC but according to Drake you know I couldn't have but <laughs> so I think it's it's good that I get a nice degree from NC State finance and let's go from there Ben Finley, in response to Drake May's comments I honestly kind of forgot about at the beginning of the season when Drake May said that People who could not get into North Carolina go to NC State and then apologized for it. And I think most of the response to that apology was that he shouldn't have apologized, is that it's fun to have the rivalry between these two teams. What did you make of Finley's response to Drake May? Finney, did you like it? Do you wish that (laughs) Carolina had not apologized or are you still rolling your eyes and going to talk about their driving tractors and goats and whatever the hell else you're going to say? It was cowardly, just like those players who waited until our fans had exited the stadium to go plant their flag at midfield have some have some guts okay. do what michigan <laughs> did while ohio stadium was still rather full after michigan beat them in the game they went out there and planted the flag but you got to give dave dorn and tim back a ton of credit they they allowed that fourth string quarterback to get comfortable make the two to three throws he had to make and you hit a slick talk in there though he, he slid in the fourth string quarterback mm-hmm 
Even though that's what he is, but he's yeah, I mean, look, I'm just, I'm going, just brother, stating the facts. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like it, you know, it is what it is. It's it sucks losing at home to a classless, gutless program, but that's where <laughs> that's where we are today. That's where we are today. Backhanded compliments, baby. None like it. That that allows us to go visit the campus corner where we will focus a little bit more on football. But I wanted to honestly save a lot more time for it, so we'll get to more of that in the next segment. Bad heels weekend. I think it's among the worst that we'd ever seen from Tar Heels fans. Not only the amount of losses where you had three, two from the Carolina basketball program in the Phil Knight Invitational, but you also had the bad loss on Friday that got everything started. It was within what? Was it within five minutes? Yes. <laughs> it's so bad. Carolina losing to Iowa State because Caleb Grill went for 30, and then Carolina also before that losing a double overtime matchup to NC State, the football program. So, so poor of a weekend for North Carolina football and basketball fans. Um, but focusing more on basketball, I saw the poll released and Carolina falls to 17th preseason number one, falling all the way to 17 after that loss to Iowa State and after the four overtime loss to Alabama. Let's get to you, Fitty. Share your thoughts, especially maybe even against Alabama, the four overtime loss. What did you make of that contest? It was one of those games where was I mad about the effort? No, that team competed as hard as they had in the regular season under Hubert Davis. I mean, those kids were tired, and, and and they played really hard. I was mad at the result. I was mad that the officiating became the focal point because a, of an inadvertent whistle really took away and became the focal point of what was. That game was on drugs like OBJ. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It really took away from a great game and a nice jab <laughs> by you. You're starting to learn over there. Um, but the biggest like thing I, I took away is Carolina's got a rebounding problem. I know Alabama entered the best rebounding team in the country, and you can't discredit what they did. 21 offensive rebounds is too much for a program like Carolina that pounds the door on being a rebounding school, and they've got to find a way to be more efficient in the half court because this offense right now is a mess. Wes, do you think dropping to 17 was too much, or do you think it's justified with the two losses they experienced this weekend? Well, actually, I don't know if it's been updated, but they're actually at 18. As I look at that. Okay, there you go. So, Dra maybe dropping 17 spots then in total. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Uh, and now ask me that question one more time. Do you think it's justified to go all the way to 18, dropping yeah, 17 yeah, spots I do because, because of the two losses? Because they've kind of had it coming as far as how they've been playing against lesser competition. And then so to take losses when you finally do play some upper echelon competition and you lose back-to-back -back games, I think it's very much justified. Fitty's been talking about it. Other Carolina fans have been talking about just the disappointing performances uh, in some of the games they've had against teams that they should not. And so I think that, you know, the uh, rooster finally came home on them this week. It, it was really bad, especially when you talk about <laughs> the Power 5 games that they've played. Yeah. So any Power 5 program that they've played, they lost to now. So your wins are against Wilmington, College of Charleston, Gardner-Webb, James Madison, and Portland. That's your 5-0 and start. Yeah. As soon as you played anybody in a Power 5 conference, you lost by 5 to Iowa State, and then you lost by 2, yes, in quadruple overtime. Crazy game. But you lost to Alabama. That's not good. Honestly, Alabama being ranked in top 20, okay. Mm -hmm. It's still a bad loss for a number one team coming in. But two Power 5 losses, that's really bad. And look, I think Fiddy is right about the rebounding. There was a possession where Alabama had two or three offensive rebounds in a, in a row 
late in this one, and Alabama was able to be the beneficiary of it. Armando Baycott didn't come back in, had a foot injury, said it was really hurting him, and so they rolled without Armando as the game went on. And Caleb Love took 36 shots in this game, had one point per shot attempt by ending up with 36 points. Biddy, is this a Caleb Love problem? Is this a Hubert Davis scheme problem? What's going on with Caleb Love? And what seems to be a problem the last couple of years that he's played Carolina basketball? A little bit of both. You want, you want to know why Caleb Love took 36 shots? Was because Hubert Davis had his team play isolation basketball because Armando Baycott and Pete Nance in the pick and roll game were useless. They were turning the ball over. They were being indecisive. So he put the ball in the hands of his guards, and that led to Caleb Love taking the most shots in a game since Pete or since uh, Lenny Rosenbluth took 43 in the 1957 <laughs> ACC tournament. No black people in that one. Um, there was in the championship in game. There was, well, yeah. In the NCAA championship oh, game, me? Carolina would go on to beat Will Chamberlain yeah. in 1957. Uh, okay. Triple overtime, I believe. Yeah. It was triple overtime. Back-to-back games in that Final Four, Carolina won a triple overtime. So there's some heels hist- history for you. Mm. But, but Caleb Love is not in the same stratosphere as a player that Lenny Rosenbluth was. He was one of the 10 best players in the history of the ACC. We are 85 years old, but yes, I yes, agree. He's you're not learning Lenny. something. He could shoot the ball 43 times and no one would blink an eye. Caleb Love can't. And that's what happened yesterday. They've got to get more from Armando Baycott in the half court. But I think it's very evident. Brady Manick was a team that brought this, or was the guy that brought this team together last year. He connected them on both ends of the court. And his absence is, is, is looming larger than we thought it was going to be. See. I thought that as well. Four points from Pete Nance. That's not good. There's no doubt about it. But defensively, he's not. Defensively, he is guarding very well and is a lot better. Walker let you get away with with not... Be, being able to score as long as you can play defense. Yeah, right. Though. You've been in college we, we basketball that. for well, he five likes years. That, yo. You should be able to defend and not He likes foul. a good defender. Uh, yeah, I, I value defense. Do you guys not? Because <laughs> no. What are you, an attorney? Not now. In today's game, good I mean, I value gracious. it a little bit, but I need you to put the ball no, in the you, bucket. You don't value it at all. Now, four points. <laughs> four points is way too little. And totally yeah, I don't care. You that. could be Dennis Rodman. I need more than four points from you, and buddy. You, no doubt On about, this team. No doubt about that. When you talk about being soft, maybe offensively, but defensively, he was pretty physical and saved them a few baskets when he's able to stay in front of guys. Like, people were trying to challenge him. Like, it was some mismatch. It was not a mismatch with the way that Pete Nance can move. There's no doubt I want him to score more than four points. Offensively, you're right. <laughs> Brady Manick is way better shooter, and it's a problem I rose at the very beginning of this season. People were underestimating the loss of Brady, the quick shot, the way that it went in. Fantastic shooter. But defensively, He's going to be just fine as long as he can find his rhythm offensively. Here's the problem, though. Pete Nance didn't have it offensively. Who did? I mean, Caleb Love is the one that's jacking up 36 shots in this well, one. It's hard to find a rhythm if you're anybody. And we can't let R.J. Davis off the hook either. Carolina's no. guards don't play a smart brand of basketball. They do not play efficient. One thing I give Carolina's guards credit for in the past, whether you talk about Forte, McCanson, and those type of guys, they played efficient basketball for the most part. They took good, smart shots. Now, granted, they might have had a little bit more around them, but 60 shots between your guards in college basketball today, that is unheard of for your guards to take that many shots. And one of them is supposed to be a point guard, and you only get eight assists between them. R.J. Davis is the point guard, as I do air quotes, 
So they need to just get a better offense, a little bit more motion going on. Like Fitty said, too much individual basketball. Oh, yeah, it's not yeah. the same. They need to work that thing down to Baycott, let him do his thing, and then play off of that. But they need to be more efficient. 60 shots between your two guards, and they only make 21 of them. That ain't uncut. And now Duke also lost, and they lost big over the weekend. So college basketball expectations for the Shrug. ACC. A couple of the teams in North Carolina struggling to start out of the gate. We'll talk a little bit more about the football side of things, though. South Carolina fans certainly happy. NC State fans certainly happy. Clemson, not so much. We'll get to all of that in the 1 o'clock hour. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.